0: Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sicari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sicari.
1: Good morning. I hope everybody's having a wonderful Tuesday. My name is Frank Zakari, and you are listening to Life-Altering Events on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, since we started this show 11, 12 weeks ago now, people have often asked me, Frank, what exactly is a life-altering event? And this is what I tell them. A life-altering event is something we either choose or something that's thrust upon us that dramatically alters the trajectory of our life. Now, everybody's had those aha moments or events that have changed your life for better or for worse. Now, these life-altering events occur in every <coughs> aspect of our professional and our personal life mm-hmm. and in the lives of our families. Now, try as we may, it is impossible to completely separate the events of our personal life from the events of our professional life. Believe me, I tried for years, and I failed miserably. What life-altering events presents us with, however, is an opportunity to seize the moment and make a difference in our own life and the lives of our loved ones. A life-altering event is a fork in the road where we have a choice. We can choose to fall apart, or we can choose to find the courage to pick up the pieces, deal with our grief, and start moving forward toward better times and better people. Remember this, it is never too late to have the life that you want and you deserve. Now as you listen to this show over the coming weeks and months and hopefully years, the show has just been renewed for another 52 weeks, so I'm gonna I want to hear from you, people out there. I urge you to think about participating in an upcoming show. If you have a life altering event that you think will inspire others, visit the Life Altering Event page on the TheVoiceAmerica.com and send me an email It says contact host, send me an email, or send me an email, th- email through my website, FrankZakari.com. Tell me about this event that changed your life so drastically, how you addressed it, the impact it's had on your life, and where are you now? We'll review the content, and if it fits well into our program, we'll contact you about putting you on a future broadcast. I want to hear from you. Let's tell your story. Well, today, what we're going to look at, a life-altering event, is how do we mold the next generation of business leaders? All right, everybody, one out of five people would like to own a business. How do you get business leaders prepared? Now, as we've discussed many times on this show, a major life-altering event is pursuing the dream of owning a business. Now, I have been where you are. I was a small and medium-sized business owner for over 20 years. And I believe the single most difficult job in the world is to be a successful small business owner. And people always ask me, why is that, Frank? Well, why is that? Is because the rules constantly change. Change is coming faster than our ability to understand the change and to react. So let's look at the plight of a small business owner. Now, Inc. Magazine has reported that one in five Americans would like to own a business. One in five. Now, that's second only to home ownership in the pursuit of the American dream. Now what happens is far too often, this dream becomes a nightmare. Forbes Magazine has said, reported, 50 to 60% of small businesses fail within the first three years. 50 (coughs) to 60%. 80% fail within five years. And the one statistic that just blows me away is 70% of SBA loans applications are rejected Now, the SBA is a small business administration, and their function is to help fund small businesses, yet they reject 70% of loan applications. For the businesses that do make it past the five years, the odds of continued success aren't very good. According to the small business trends, only 40% are profitable, 30% are just breaking even, and 30% are constantly losing money. So this is not a pretty picture. I don't want you to become one of those 60% the one that want to just break even and the ones that are constantly losing money. Success comes from an innovative mindset and vision more than just pure intelligence. So to t- to stay successful is not about working harder or smarter. It's about your imagination. It's about your vision. It's about thinking different. It's about asking what if, and having the courage to take action. Now, let me give you an example here. University of California system. These are 10 major research universities, and these are the best minds in the world. And you know who they are, UC Berkeley, UCLA, UC Davis, etc. They have 19,224 patents, licenses, or pending patents and licenses. And when I heard that, I went, wow, that's amazing. Dr. Harganon, who's one of our guests here, is going said, then don't get too excited about that. 60% of the revenue comes from five patents. Not 5%, five patents. Now, these are the most brilliant minds in the world. And they have an extremely poor results moving from the lab into the business world. Now, these brilliant minds are not adequately prepared to move from the research to business ownership. Now, one of the 10 universities saw these results and is actually taking action. The University of California at Davis has created an entrepreneurship academy where they take these brilliant researchers and they guide them through the process of moving from an intellectual mindset, which they excel at, to an innovative mindset that's needed to create, to fund, and to sustain a successful business. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the University of California, Davis, Davis, California is located between Sacramento, the capital, the Napa Valley wine country, and San Francisco. Now, it is the preeminent university in the world for veterinary medicine, viticulture, winemaking, and agriculture. All right, we have two guests today who we're going to get into this with. My first guest is Dr. Andrew Hargadon, who I hope is connected We've been having some difficulty here, but Dr. Hargadon is a professor with UC Davis Graduate School of Management. He's a faculty director for the UC Institute of Innovation and Entrepreneurship. He's in the forefront of teaching, research, and practice in cross-disciplinary entrepreneurship, and he's the founding director of two key centers at UC Davis. The Mike and Renee Child Institute for Innovation and Entrepreneurship and the Energy Efficiency Center. Now these centers are dedicated to promoting entrepreneurship and innovation through educational programs which bridge that gap between the science, the engineers, and the business. They provide a framework for the university's scientists and the engineers to move their ideas out of the lab and into the world. Dr. Harganon gets it. Our other guest is Dr. Maria Duaga who is the CEO of Respiria Lab, and we'll come back to Maria shortly. Dr. Hargadon, if you're with us, and Dr. Maria, if you're with us, welcome to Life-Altering Events. Thanks, Frank. Good. Frank, Maria, Frank. you're there? All right. Yes, everybody I am. Technology is wonderful.
2: We made it's it. Wonderful.
1: So
3: is everybody behind the scenes who made it work. I appreciate that.
1: It is. We got a great team, and we had to scramble a little bit. So, Dr. Hargadon, let me start with you. Why did you start the Entrepreneurship Academy?
3: Sounds great. That's a great question. I um, so originally I joined UC Davis in 2001, and in about 2004, started working with a local venture capitalist and a local angel investor on designing a course that would help make entrepreneurs out of the business school students and others on campus. And pretty quickly, that class uh, started to actually launch some companies and uh, And uh, the Chancellor of the University, Larry Vanderhoof, at the time, uh, recognized what we were doing and wanted to support it. And so it gave us the opportunity to build that program up. Um, but on the one caveat, which was a class, a single class doesn't scale very well. <clears throat> so he asked us what we could do to reach more students. And we turned that class uh, into a three day academy, a very intense three days but also uh giving us the opportunity to, to to work with hundreds of students a year and so in 2006 we launched the first academy by 2007 we were giving roughly three of those a year and um and in the last uh, so almost 15 years now we've we've put on about 50 of these academies
1: uh I have sat in on, on uh, uh, at least one full day of this, and I can I can assure you, the listeners around the world here, that this is this is incredibly intense, and they're taking uh, th- these 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 minds that when you listen to them talk about what they're working on, half of it I did not even understand, but they but their their research and science is just impeccable. They they really know what they're doing. Uh, Andrew, can you go? How did you sustain this throughout the years?
3: You know, uh, um, because there are a number of people both in the university and outside, like yourself, who recognize um, the critical gap between what we as a university do really well, which is train great scientists, and what industry needs, which is uh, scientists who understand how to make commercial sense of their work. How to find a real, a clear problem to solve and bring to bear their their scientific training um, to find a business model that works, you know, a technology that scales and a customer or a market that, that cares deeply, uh, and and that takes a very special person, as you, as, as we'll see when we talk to Maria, <laughs> um, and so and and, and and to make that work, of course, it takes a very special person to realize how important it is to support that, and so. We have been blessed with any number of volunteers, but also university uh, mentors and patrons who have helped um, allow us to put these on. And now we put on academies that are focused on biomedical engineering, focused on uh, food and health, focused on um, uh, 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 clean tech or or, uh, medicine, and that's allowed us to also dive more deeply into specific areas where we have a lot of researchers, and and bring in the right mentors and and others to help them understand the lay of the land.
1: Tell listeners about the the the, the requests that you're getting and the challenges of expanding this. I understand UC Merced is now involved. You're working with Lawrence Livermore Lab. How do you take something this complex and scale it? <laughs>
3: Well, you know, first you, you you do it enough times that it you get you get a lot a lot a lot of the bugs out um, locally, but I think it's important to recognize that you don't really scale it so much as replicate it. Um, one of the critical aspects of these academies is that we're not teaching people a generic version of entrepreneurship that anybody can follow. We're f- focused very much on science and engineering researchers and what they need to do to understand how to get their work out of the lab. And oftentimes that means you know, making the decision first and foremost whether, whether what they've got is commercial or not, commercializable. Um, but what we've done with Merced, what we've done with Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Livermore National Lab and Sandia and Los Alamos has been help them to use our content but build their local networks of support their local mentors, their local um, professional services like lawyers and and intellectual property and, and patent writers to to be successful where they are. We're not trying to get them to sign up to a national thing so much as build their own local support network to help those scientists.
1: this is this is uh, something that's that I found incredibly impressive is is that out now outside industry, like Lawrence Livermore Labs, is now starting to come to the University of California, Davis, asking them for help. It's almost, a term we're hearing a lot in the corporate sector is intrapreneurship. So we have these people working for us already. They're very brilliant. They're, but now we need innovation from within. Are you seeing that? More requests for that, Dr. Hargadon?
3: Um, I, you know, I think we've we've actually recognized that you, you you have to do both. You have to do, in fact, we often teach people that there's a lot of different paths that any new innovation can take one of which is starting a firm the other of which is helping a large firm start something new but there's also consulting um on the outside there's policy making and we've really um you know because we're focused on getting the science out in the most beneficial way possible we really teach them all how to um how to how to make sense of which is the right path for them and for their technology so we've had great success changing uh Policy in the U in the in the state of California, helping advance the LED lighting policy um, through science by by bringing scientists, you know, and 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 government officials together to recognize and write the best policy for driving innovation forward.
1: Well, that's a very important point because government alone can't cannot succeed. They cannot do this on their own. The educational sector has all the brilliant minds, and the business world that That synergy between the three has been in place in the past, but it's now now it's even more critical than before, because the science is changing so radically and so rapidly. Um, do you have any more and uh, what's your next expansion plan at this point, or do you have one? Because well, it's really think- going well?
3: Well, oh, yeah, it's, it's really a lot of fun, uh, too. But right now, what we're looking to do is expand more in, in particular verticals and uh, in ways that can, I think, sort of sharpen the the end of the stick um, be, and be more effective. So we're, we're working with the School of Veterinary Medicine, which happens to be the leading veterinary medicine school in the country, probably in the world, and in helping them to create an academy which allows them and, and other related researchers to <laughs> To all come together and share what they're doing, share what they're doing with companies, with investors, with with policymakers. You know these are these are you know cutting edge research in agricultural livestock or in in, in companion animals, in diet and health and in, in surgery that often bleeds out into medicine. Bad pun, but or bad bad choice of words, but mm-hmm. that often drives new innovations in medicine, and so. You know, we're doing that with the veter- veterinary school. We're doing that with the medical school around you know, issues like uh, telemedicine, where we think there's an opportunity if we can convene the right players to, to bring the science to bear by focusing on a particular area.
1: We've got about two minutes before we go to a break, but I want to start talking about explain the Big Bang program, Dr. Hargadon. Ah. Huh. The
3: Big Bang program is a is a business. Well, it results in a business competition, but it's it's our next step in making accessible this this support work. Um, it's our it's our local um, business workshops, and, which are open to any and all comers, as well as the business competition, which is also open nationally. We give out about one hundred and twenty thousand and and prize money to those who go through the program and compete at the end. But we also view it as an opportunity, a series of workshops and open seminars that people can come and regardless of whether they want to compete at the end, learn what it takes to to develop an idea and move it forward.
1: So it's not limited to just students then? It's anyone can apply?
3: Yes, absolutely right.
1: Now the application, is is it a process? I believe there was 104 last time. Did you get like 400 applications and then you have to weed it down?
3: Oh, so everybody can go through the uh, seminars, the workshops. It's the competition that gets weeded down. And so of, of all the people, and there were thousands who went through the, added up to thousands that went through the workshop. We had a hundred and, you know, 110 or so teams, 115 teams that entered the competition at the end of it, at the end of those workshops. And then they, as they moved through the competition and got narrowed down, we got down to, to five finalists and then the winner
1: in the winter outstanding yeah. we are up against a break here but I want to continue with the story on how this big bang started by with students but uh, we're going to take a short break right now when we come back we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Hargadon and Dr. Maria uh, Don't go! don't go away you do not want to miss this next segment
0: Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at Radio at gmail.com. Or call 916 718 5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today.
2: Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or you can send an email to Life Altering Events Radio at gmail.com. Now, Back to the show.
1: And we're back. We are talking today with Dr. Andrew Hargadon and Dr. Maria DeWaga from the University of California, Davis. And they have a program which they call the Entrepreneurship Academy. And this is basically taking these brilliant minds in the in the university system who have this tremendous knowledge in science and research and helping to mold them to become business Owners and business leaders. Okay, we were just before the break, Dr. Hargadon was telling us about their Big Bang program, which is a training and then becomes a competition. So let's continue there. Dr. Hargadon, I understand this program started off by students, is that correct?
3: That's right. Uh, 20 years ago, a, a small group of students put together a business competition. Uh, and it was uh, essentially an open competition, but it didn't draw very many people. It got started small and, and, uh, and when I arrived, I became the faculty director of that competition. Uh, but it, it launched a couple companies that we still see around us today, um, Sierra Energy, for example, which is closing in on around 70 or 80 million in funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out of one of those early competitions. But over the years it, it they, the students, Managed it. They grew it bigger and bigger. It, it became not only just a competition, but a, a, you know, a, some seminars to begin with. And then about five years ago, it started to get a little too big for students. Students only get to spend two years in our business school, and so um, uh, in, in the um, in the in an effort to sort of ensure the continuity of a, something of this scale, we we ended up um, taking it over from the students. The students are still deeply involved, but the institute staff and and excellent staff is, is now able to, ha- in fact, has, has grown it again exponentially um, by creating a series of workshops that are live streamed as well as uh, attended by hundreds, um, focused on helping people understand how to move from an idea to a, a business, how and whether to move from an idea to a business, and then how to articulate and, and continue to develop that business over a series of weeks and months. Um, before deciding whether they want to enter the business competition which happens at the end and then when they do that they go through a series of of uh, stages you know whittling down the, the the competing teams until there's finally a set of five finalists who come and present uh, at the, our finals and as as we mentioned before the break the you know the the prize money has grown from five thousand dollars for the winner to you know upwards of, you know some winners can take home fifteen twenty thousand dollars.
1: How was the mentor program get it? how hard was that to get that started because you' <laughs> you're putting this program together and you got people uh, running businesses and yet you do a tremendous job in getting these people to come to help How'd right that so
3: i yeah I, and I don't think we even gave the mentor program enough attention yet. So, when we started, as I said earlier, you know, it started with myself, a venture capitalist in the region, and, uh, and then uh, an entrepreneur, uh, Charlie Soderquist, and Scott Lynette was the venture capitalist. And, and together, we, we were most interested in helping make entrepreneurs rather than teach entrepreneurship. And one of the critical aspects of an entrepreneur is their network, their network of mentors and advisors, and their, their ability to go and get help. Uh, for all of the many things you need help on to, to, to become a change maker. And we realized that so one of the first lessons we needed to teach them was how, how to get help, how to go find a mentor, how to work with a mentor, how to get the most out of mentors. And that led us pretty quickly down the road to we need to have everybody engaging with mentors as they're developing their ideas. So we, we built the original program where they'd work on their ideas during the day and at night 30 to 50 mentors would converge who, who have experience in business in starting companies and managing companies and in investing in companies and, and helping them as, the, as lawyers, you know, they would come in and, and talk to the students about their businesses and they would ask critical questions and provide key advice. And that, that hands-on experience of getting mentored uh, became a critical aspect of our educational program. And, that and so we've pers- just continued to build that. And and for the mentors, as Frank, I think you you would say yourself, it's a real delight to be able to give back because that's, sort of that's how you got there in the first place, right?
1: It absolutely is. And the mentors uh, that come from all different industries, uh, we all sit and talk prior to the show, and, mm-hmm. and and we walk out of there just so impressed with the with the the, the knowledge and the passion. Of these, of these students, and we all knew they had brilliant minds, but the passion is there, and that's, that's critical to, to move forward. This is a great segment over to Dr. Maria Artunduaga. Oh, I hope yeah. I keep pronouncing your name right.
2: Artunduaga. I know it's really hard.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, now, Maria, we'll go with Maria, which I can say really well, is the winner, the latest winner of the most <laughs> recent UC Davis Big Bang Award. Now She's the CEO of Respiria Lab, and it's a startup that detects early signs of deterioration in the chronic obstruction pulmonary disease, now COPD for those of us that are lay people, using wearables and machine learning. She has 15 years' experience leading numerous studies and the Gates Foundation-funded projects. She's published in the New England Journal of Medicine and Nature. She has earned over 25 fellowships, scholarships, and prizes. Now, most recently, she has entered the world of the rock star, where she was named in Silicon Valley's Top 40 Under 40 and was named a Farallon Fellow. Maria's broad range of skills puts her in the intersection of medicine, technology, policy, and education, which was the whole purpose of this Entrepreneurship Academy in the beginning. She's a frequent speaker on issues involving entrepreneurship, STEM, in gender, uh, in, in gender uh, racial diversity, and global economic development. Maria, once again, welcome back to Life Altering Events.
2: Hello. Us, thank you so much for having so me. It's so good
1: to have you here again. Uh, tell the listeners about your company and what inspired you. You were going to be a surgeon at one point. What happened?
2: Yeah, I was going to become a pediatric plastic surgeon. That was the big dream when I I relocated from Colombia. That's where I'm originally from. So um, Respiral Labs, it's definitely a product of my personal journey. And I'm working on COPD. That's also known as emphysema and chronic bronchitis because my grandmom, she suffered from COPD as as long as I remember. And it was very difficult because I, I come from a family of physicians and we couldn't do much to help her. And so when I started practicing medicine right after med school, so in Colombia, we, we we do seven years of medical school. That's the reason why we can see patients right after we graduate. Um, I reala- realized that there was a large gap in communication between the doctors and the patients, especially COPD patients when they were sent home, like the case of my grandmom. So um, <clears throat> I started to like do my own research and I realized there was lack of technology for people with COPD. And it's often overlooked and underfunded, and especially in low and middle income countries like in like Colombia, where I'm from. So um, when I came here to the US, <clears throat> I spent four years, four years uh, of uh, doing research at Harvard, and then I set a plastic tree residency. And when I was completing that residency, my grandmom, uh, she had a flare-up, and unfortunately, she passed. She died. Uh, that was a very revealing moment for me, And at the time, I was struggling to find my place in surgery. It's, as everybody knows, a heavily dominated, male-dominated field. And it wasn't welcoming to me as a woman of color with an accent and a big academic center. So, unfortunately, yeah, I experienced racism. And I I realized that I was not going to achieve my big dreams, you know, um, in that sort of environment because they didn't want to train me. My grandmom passed. And right there, I decided, you know, I'm just going to switch into public health. I'm going to just leave my, my career in surgery and I'm going to make my personal mission to help the poor worldwide and the people who have no access to healthcare. So, what I want to do and what we are doing with Respiral Labs is that we want to help improve healthcare delivery with digital technologies and tools that are cheap and work very well. We want to democratize access. And that's why I'm obsessed (laughs) finding a solution for patients with COPD um, and Respiral Labs. What we are doing, we're building, it's a digital platform and it detects changes prior to the symptoms uh, onset and it facilitates uh, early intervention and it helps prevent unnecessary hospitalizations or emergency room visits. And what happens is that COPD hospitalizations, at least in the US, are very, very expensive and are the result of flare-ups, just what happened to my grandma, right? Exacerbations, that's a medical term. And the survival after every hospital admission is very poor and uh, patients actually tend to die quicker And it's related, and it's also related to the number of prior um, attacks or exacerbations. So, the prevention of attacks is definitely the key to keep these people alive and living well. So, that's what we are doing.
1: One of the things I heard you say when we met was um, COPD is, is not detected early enough. It's they come in, they may think it's asthma, they give them some kind of breathing treatment, then they send them home. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of issues with COPD. Uh, the gold standard is the tools that we use, the spirometry uh, in the clinical setting. It, it takes a lot of time, at least an hour or two to complete. And they are also very expensive. So that that's one thing. And sometimes even a spirometry might show uh, normal uh, results even though the patient actually experiences a lot of symptoms and the other problem that uh, that I found and also based on the fact that you know I, I was a, I'm the granddaughter of somebody who, who had COPD is that she you know COPD patients use um, pulse oximeters so the finger clip devices and they keep monitoring their, the levels of oxygen all day um, and decide absolutely you know everything they will do Every day is based on the number they get from that device. And clinically speaking, you don't want to have someone to get into in a hypoxemic event, meaning low oxygen levels. You want to prevent that from happening. Um, So, you know, I mean, the technologies that are out there are either late indicators of symptoms or they are too expensive or very difficult to access. For many people that experience COPD, and most of these patients actually live in rural areas. So making a trip to the hospital for two or three hours with an oxygen tank is definitely not suitable, right? Um, it's just not ideal.
1: Maria, would you describe, what for, for the lay people like me, sure. what, <laughs> what is COPD? Is it you just can't catch your breath? Is it your lungs don't expand? Explain that.
2: Yeah, I, oh gosh, we got into medical stuff. <laughs> so COPD, um, it's an umbrella term. Uh, it's, it's sort of a syndrome. Um, there are different diseases like um, emphysema and chronic bronchitis and even asthma. And what happens is that the, your airways are thick, and are difficult to 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 move. Right? Um, it, this is a consequence of a exposure to either pollutants, toxics, uh, and, uh, you know, even smoking, right? Um, so what happens is that it makes breathing very hard because all of the air that comes in cannot get out for different reasons. Um, so mainly is that the problem, that it, they feel that they are suffocating every time they move.
1: I heard you also open up that uh, a story which you said was, imagine that you cannot catch your breath.
2: Yes. And the, pan- and the panic
1: that you go through as a, as a person.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's how I, I've talked to over 80 patients already. I wanted to, you know, experience for some hearing, you know, listen, listening to them, hearing from them how, you know, life with COPD looks like. Um, that's what they tell me, right? I mean, imagine you cannot catch your breath every time you move, every time you breathe and you're worried that you're going to die the next minute and you live alone, and you don't have a social support network. Uh, so it it's a very difficult life to have, right? Fearing death mm-hmm. every minute.
1: Exactly. I've heard someone say one time that you don't think about oxygen until you have none, and then that's all you can <laughs> think about.
2: Exactly. Exactly. We are coming
1: up on another break here. Um, don't go away. We're going to continue this conversation with Maria on COPD and what's led her to her rock star current status. So do not go away. You don't do not want to miss how she's evolved to this position that she is. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
0: book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at Radio at gmail.com or call 916 718 5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: We're back, and we're talking with Dr. Maria Octaduaga, who is the CEO of Respiria Lab, and they deal with a, pro, uh, uh, a solution and product, a wearable, for COPD. Now, Maria, you were the winner of the Big Bang competition at UC Davis. You won $20,000. I was yeah. sitting there. What were your emotions when you heard your name called?
2: <laughs> you want the truth? I yes. cursed. First Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe it, you know, I was very, very confused. Uh, I, I to be honest, I thought we had in a word that the healthcare category prize, but not definitely not the overall first prize, the competition because it you know everybody else, they were very good. And also the fact that I'm not a a, a UC Davis student, and this is one of the things that Andrea was mentioning, Um, I just thought, you know, I'm an outsider, uh, this probably won't be well received. And it was a surprise to me to know that the judges evaluate everybody based on their merits and that a lot of other startups outside uh, from UC Davis were also recognized and they won. Uh, money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my main main message here is for you, if you are an early stage startup founder, uh, no matter where you are located, you need to apply to the Big Bang, no matter where you are. Everything is online. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah. And we will put a link uh, to the show on how to do that. Now, since you won the Big Bang, things have, have taken off. Tell us about the grant you received from Women in STEM, a visit you had from Bill Gates. How is that... How has this changed your life?
2: Yeah, so this is a grant from the National Science Foundation. Actually, it's called uh, called an SVIR. It's uh, focused only for small setups. And and that was, we we won the award, uh, $225,000 about a month or two months ago. That was in July. Uh, it really we obviously UC Davis, you know, having won the competition also helped. Uh, and it was really interesting to go back now that I was in washington d c about two weeks ago, and they told me that they had heard about my success at Big Bang and other competitions, and that 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 played actually a big important role for them to rank me higher than other startups. So, uh this proves that, you know, you definitely need to go out there and compete and prove and validate your idea when, you know, when, when you're competing against other setups. Um, so, yeah. So how it has accelerated. So the first thing is that we are using hearing aid technology to identify abnormal changes of volumes inside of the lungs with patients with COPD. And this has never tried before. This is a very risky uh, approach right? Because historically no one has ever done it. And for now, we know that no investor would touch us, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Until we are certain, right? That we have a path moving forward. And this is where the federal government plays a big, important role for everybody who's doing, you know, like deep technology, innovation, and trying new things from, from scratch. So that's what we are focusing on right now. And our preliminary results, fortunately, are very, very promising and very exciting. Even as a physician, I see a lot of uses for this technology in COPD and many other respiratory diseases like asthma or interstitial fibrosis, et cetera. And even as a former caregiver, uh, it's a solution for not for only patients but families.
1: What did Bill Gates say to you when he came to your lab?
2: No, he didn't come to my lab. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wish. No, no, no. I, he came to, I think it was a startup at the UC Berkeley, um, no, you didn't come to my lab. We had we I had participated in in projects that are funded by his foundation, though. The, in the past, like when I was back in Seattle with Path, and very recently at UCSF.
1: We have about uh, a minute and a half left here. Sure. Uh, very quickly, what was it like to be named top forty under forty in the Silicon Valley?
2: Yeah, uh, it was wonderful to be recognized not only for like your business related accomplishments, but for how your work is impacting the lives of a community. So uh, over 500 nominations were submitted and I was the only Latina CEO to be selected. And um, I'm also an immigrant. So that's a big deal for me. The thing is that I'm a big advocate for inclusion and having experiences, you know, right. Like discrimination throughout my plastic surgery training, I realized that I couldn't continue being an expectator and I needed to become part of a solution so I work with several organizations here and abroad, helping women and other minorities navigate the system. I mentor them to find sponsors, uh, to use you know tools and methodologies to try to solve their problems, to find coaching and mentorship. So uh, I do a lot of that. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of that work with, with many other women who are now like recent female entrepreneurs. So I do that on my like free time if I ever... I uh, pretend like weekends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like on weekends, like literally on Sundays, that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I'm helping a lot of people.
1: We're almost to the end here. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your eyes on the University of California, Davis, and Respiria Lab. The work that Dr. Hargadon and Dr. Arcticwaga are doing may save your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we're at the end of the show. <laughs> this has been tremendous. I want to thank my guests for sharing these these very life insp- these very inspiring, life-altering events. Remember this, no matter what life throws your way, look up, get up, and never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward. If you'd like more information on the show, please contact me. I'll make sure it gets to Maria and Andrew. You can listen to this on on demand on a number of stations, uh, including now iHeartRadio. Join me again next week when we discuss another, another life altering event. Now, let me leave you with this. None of us can do this alone the secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are and these two people know where they are thank you again we'll see you next week
0: thank you for tuning into life-altering events be sure to join frank Zakari again next tuesday at 11 a.m eastern time and 8 a.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel have a life-changing week the good kind